Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Butch, and I am a compulsive overeater and bulimic. Uh, I'll get the statistics out of the way first. My highest recorded weight, and I was actually wrong about this, it's more than I thought, was 396. Uh, that was 10 years ago. Uh, I currently have seven years, four months, and about a week and a half of abstinence. And I weigh between 170 and 175, and it fluctuates, you know. Um, so there's a 220-something pound weight release. I didn't lose it all at once. I lost it very slowly over seven and a half years. I lost the last 25 pounds over the last year. Um, but uh, my story starts in northern New Jersey, about four miles from New York City. Um, Grew up in a, a little tiny town, you know, right next to the bridge. And, uh, you know, uh, mother, father, older sister. Uh, and it was a completely unbelievable dysfunctional family. My mother and father fought every single day. I, I actually don't remember them ever having happiness between the two of them. It was always fighting. Uh, my sister was older and she resented me because, of course, I replaced her in her mind. So other than my mother, I didn't really feel like I had any allies in the house. Um, one of the worst things that happened was that I was, I, because my mother is Italian, I went to a Catholic school. And this was back when the nuns ran the schools. I don't know if that's true today, but it certainly was true back in the, the late 50s when I went into school. And it was horrible. I mean, uh, everything you've ever heard about nuns in Catholic school times two is correct. They didn't hit me, but they terrorized everybody, including me. And I really went into a shell. Somewhere around the age of five or six, I found food. I was not a compulsive reader before that. In fact, I don't remember having much of an interest other than whatever was on my plate before that. But somewhere between five and six, I started to overeat. And I went for it, you know. By the time I was in uh, eighth grade, I was 275 pounds. So most of my, my school years, my grammar school years, was spent being tormented and tortured and bullied. And, you know, it took, a, it took an amazingly bad toll on my soul in many ways. And I'm sure that many can relate to that. I um, finally got out of that school, and I was going to go to a Catholic high school, but luckily, the town I lived in built a high school uh, the year I graduated from, from grammar school. So I went to a public high school, and I, in the first class, in a homeroom class, and it was this very nice, pleasant, you know, woman teacher, and there were about 28 kids. In, the, in this morning class, you know, for about an hour. And they were having a good time. They were laughing. They were talking. They were chatting. Nobody was sitting there with their hands folded on their desk. Nobody was terrified or intimidated. And I have to say, honestly, that was the last day I was a Catholic. Because I couldn't fathom that it was okay to torment people and kids especially with that horrible stuff they did for eight years and think that was perfectly loving. Um, two very, very significant things happened uh, from the age of about 12 to about 15. One is that 
at puberty, I started to realize that I was gay. And this is, we're talking about the 64, 60, we're talking about really the 60s. There was no, you know, straight gay alliance. There were no, there were gay rights organizations, but they were hidden practically at that point. Stonewall had not happened. None of the things that would later change the LGBT community had happened. So the first thing I realized is this is horrible. Second thing I realized is that I'm going to be alone my whole life. Uh, And I really didn't believe there was anybody else that was gay. I mean, I didn't know anyone else was gay. Um, And then about two years after that, my mother, who was a Librium addict, that was the precursor to Valium, uh, had a massive coronary in front of the whole family and died. And that was horrifying because she was the only person that I felt actually cared about me. So the abandonment issues were horrendous. I've only started to realize in the last few months exactly how bad they were. I was a hot mess. And unfortunately, I got involved with a therapy cult. Now, a religious cult would have never worked on me because I would have heard the the word religion or God and I would have been off. But therapy, I thought, well, gay, going through grief, what a great idea. It was the worst decision I've ever made in my life. I, I ended up being in that cult for 20 years, 20 years. Uh, I didn't emerge until I was 36. Um, and, you know, the problem was that the guy who ran it was a fake. I mean, you've heard about this, this cult up in Albany, Nexum, or whatever it's called. It, I, I can't even read about it because it's, it kicks off my feelings about the cult I was in. It's very similar stuff, very similar. Very controlling, very, this is the way life is, this is the way you do things. So um, I did manage to find a relationship when I was in the cult, somebody else in the cult. We were together for 12 and a half years. And my standard joke about it is that the first, you know, six months weren't so bad. Uh, it was a very toxic relationship, but I had such lousy self-esteem. And I have to backtrack a little bit because I was bulimic. So the weight that I was at, tw- at 12, I had lost all my weight by the time I was 16. I was a normal weight, although I never felt like that. I know now, looking back, that I must have looked very normal to everybody around I did manage to get a boyfriend, and the problem was that I had such low self-esteem that I thought it was perfectly right for him to be abusive to me. Not physically. I, I probably could have handled that by heading him back, but verbally, you know, and emotionally and spiritually abusive. Um, I, I left the cult. Finally, I had a eureka moment, and I left the cult when I was uh, 36. He left with me, and then uh, two years later, he broke the relationship off. And I was devastated because those feelings I had that I will never have a relationship again. Uh, and a friend of mine who was in Al-Anon uh, said, well, you should go to Al-Anon because he was an alcoholic. And I thought he was. And then I realized, yes, he was an alcoholic. You know, I, I didn't pay much attention to that. Or I was in denial about it. So I went to Al-Anon. And four days later, I came to this program. It was August of 1989. Um, and for the first time in my whole life, two things happened. I found people who spoke the language I knew, you know, 
going out to get like three, enough food for three people and it's just you, going to multiple places so nobody would know exactly how much food you were eating, etc. And of course, I was bulimic, so I was purging up to three or four times a day. You know, I had a sponsor that once said to me, it's amazing that you're still alive. And I have to agree with her. I probably did a lot of damage to my body. Anyway, it was the, that Thursday meeting, it was a men's meeting at the LGBT Center in Manhattan, was the very first time that I ever admitted that I was bulimic. No one had ever heard that from me, and nobody knew. The funny thing was, it's also the last time I was bulimic. I have not been bulimic since that point, 31 years ago. Um, I started to develop better feelings about myself. I, I started to, I looked much better. I felt better, you know, and I found a really nice person to be in a relationship with. Uh, and we've been together 28 years. Okay, we're married now because now it's legal, but we've lived together 28 years. Um, but I forgot something very important. Two things happened. One, my sponsor left the area, and this is before long distance was a, an add-on to every phone. So having a phone relationship was not going to happen. And uh, I started this relationship. And of course, I've heard that whatever you put in front of your recovery will help you lose your recovery. And those were, those were prophetic words because I got involved with, with, with my husband. I lost my sponsor. I didn't get another one. I went to college. And so these things became a precedent. And I thought, well, my food's been really good. I've been asking for five years and blah, blah, blah. And I lost it. And then I thought, well, I can get it right back. No, no. Um, just to catch you up a little bit to current, uh, my husband and I, because of uh, uh, opportunity for employment, moved from New York to Oklahoma. Another one of those really, what the hell was I thinking type things. Because, you know, we were a gay couple in Oklahoma, and I hate the heat. And Oklahoma in the, in, the, in the summer gets to 105, 108, 110. And it's like from June until September. And it was like living in hell. In 2012, we, had, we, had, we worked at a college that fell to the wayside. We were sort of trapped in this house and land and blah, blah, blah. In 2012, there was brush fires in the summer in the area of Oklahoma that we lived. And that's a, that was a very common experience with us. There was always smoke in the summer and we never thought anything of it. And then we found out that we were surrounded by fire. So we had about 15 minutes to get the four cats and the three dogs, uh, was it, whatever it was. I forget the, the population we had. I had 10 acres, I had a lot of animals. Get them into the car and get out. Three days later, the house had burned to the ground. It was gone with everything we owned. Uh, I had a lot of collectibles, antiques, so did Dave. But I also realized that this could be the opportunity to get out of Oklahoma. Uh, in October of 2012, we bought a house in Schenectady, and we moved to New York, moved to Albany, the Albany area. Schenectady is above Albany. Um, and uh, 10 years ago, just before we moved, I was 396 pounds. I had type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, et cetera, et cetera. And then I started having many strokes. They're called transient ischemic attacks. And if you know anything about many strokes, they lead to real strokes. And, I, and my sister had died. 
from a stroke. So I, I knew I was in trouble. I knew that I was really in trouble. Um, I went back to program in Oklahoma, but there was like three meetings and like nobody asked me. Uh, most disconnectedy, pretty much the same thing. Um, on uh, June 24th, uh, 2013, I uh, was put in the hospital because I was bleeding internally because of one of the medicine, medicines I had to take. So I was there four days, and it was really one of the worst experiences of my life. I don't think it was the worst one, but it was enough that I hit my bottom. On a Friday night, that Monday was the 24th, on Friday night when I was released from the hospital, I came to this meeting, and I made a decision. And the decision I made was that I'm going to give up the food. That didn't mean that I wasn't going to eat. But it meant that I was going to give up food as vacation, as recreation, as a stress thing. I was going to get abstinent again. And my abstinence then was very different than my abstinence now. But it was the same plan. Three moderate meals a day, a snack, and no recreational sugar. Um, and that's pretty much the plan I've been on since. You know, in a 24-hour period, I can have three meals and a snack, and I don't do sugar. Now. If my barbecue sauce has sugar in it, will I not use it? Well, I've tried the sugar-free stuff. I will use the sugar stuff because it tastes better. And I also never went and got a cheesecake because I had eaten barbecue. So I figured it was fairly safe. Um, and that kind of catches up us up today. But I want to talk a little bit. Oh, I should remember, I to say that five years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer, throat cancer which was another real horrifying trip because I was on a feeding tube, which was, I couldn't even believe that I was going to be able to survive on that. I figured I'm going to go for like two to three months without eating. It was the easiest thing I ever did. In fact, when the feeding tube finally came out after my treatment, I had no appetite. Dave used to have to sneak ice cream into my food for me to get enough calories because I was only eating about 900 calories a day. Um, my appetite did come back. Uh, and I continued my abstinence, and I lost weight during the cancer, so that continued happening. Um, and so that kind of brings us up to here. The only other change was that we moved to Albany, and a year ago we bought a house. You know, we're, we're doing pretty good. We don't have a lot of money, but we pay our bills, and we have a car that's two years old, and we have a house. And we have a good marriage. You know, after 28 years, we are still finding out things about each other. That's a nice thing, you know. But we, we, there's, there's very little animosity. We don't fight very much. It's the complete opposite of that 12 and a half year relationship where I was miserable. I'm not miserable at all. Although I have to tell you that recently I had a, and I know I have five minutes. I, I know I have a time to Recently I had a traumatic situation happen four months ago. Um, Dave and this other person, who is my best friend, are the only actual friend contacts I have in Albany. All my other friends are virtual. They're in, they're in New York City, they're in Minneapolis, they're in California. These are people I've known, some of them for 30 years. So they're really people I can go to. But my friend, my best friend was the person that I was with all the time other than when I'm with my husband. We'd go you know, out to go shopping, we'd go running around. My, Dave didn't like running around very much. I love shopping. He was, my friend was into it. But he was entangled in a legal situation. And four months ago, his parole officer said that he can have no contact with me. 
that was on him, but unfortunately, I was going to be affected by it. So my abandonment issues, my loneliness really hit me. Like, like, and I know it wasn't just him. It was every relationship that had ended, my mother's, hit me. And I was insane. And I, I've had problems in the past with opiates because of different medical reasons. But I wasn't having problems up until four months ago. And then it started. And I started using and using and using. So my first sponsor in this program, who has been in NA for nine years, told me to go to NA, and I did. And that, was, that really seems yet to be the last peel of the onion. That was the last place of refuge for my disease. And it's been tough because... Not only do I want the sedation from the drugs, which I haven't had in 60 days, I also want food to sedate me. Because if I don't have one, I need the other. I haven't picked up. My food has stayed relatively okay. But it's terrifying because I really went through many years where there was absolutely no hunger outside my meals. And now I'm struggling with that. You know, and I say it because I want people to understand that this is an ongoing process. You know, at the five and a half years I got the first time didn't cure me, and the seven and a half years that I have now aren't curing me. Uh, every morning I get up, I do morning papers, which is journaling for 10 minutes. I read from literature. In fact, I have that little pamphlet that says, just for today, and I've had it for a long time. I used to keep it in my wallet, but now I read it every morning. I do meditation every morning, every morning. Um, and then, you know, I go and prepare my you life. Got five more, so if reminder, you have five more minutes, please. Thank you, hon. Thank you. I, I just want people to understand that I don't have to do less work. I have to do a lot of work every day. And one thing that I did realize, realize very early on, is that if I want my recovery Tomorrow, I better duplicate what I did today that kept me sober and abstinent. And that's what I do, you know. And I try not to deviate from it. You know, if I'm doing all those things in the morning, I may wake up and go, I don't want to do the paper. I do them. Because I know that the alternate to that could be the food, the drugs, and the end of my life. If I pick up the food, I'm not sure about the drugs. I, I may have another recovery in that program. I do not have another recovery in this program because I won't have enough time for a recovery. The truth is that if I picked up the food, I would pick it up with the vengeance of all these years of abstinence. And I know that I would be uh, type 2 diabetic. And I'm not diabetic anymore. I don't test diabetes anymore because I lost enough weight. And I, I, I did my food plan so that I don't test diabetic. My doctor refuses to test me. He said, you're not a diabetic. You don't test diabetic. And I did for years. So my point is that I have to, this is my work. You know what? I did a lot of work running around, doing food, making money for it, doing, you know, you know throwing up, all that insanity. This is saying this is worth it because this gives me a normal body, a healthy weight. I, I can wear clothes. I can, I can go to Walmart. I can go to any store I want and buy clothes. You know, there's no special thing. And when I got married, I had a 56-inch waist, which was horrifying to me. 
I wish I still had those pants. I don't, but it was horrifying to me. So the bottom line is that I want people to understand that, that my recovery, sorry, I had a time. My recovery uh, hasn't been easy. Has I, have I had good moments or things better in my life? Absolutely. I have an amazing gratitude list. Really, I know I've gone through a trauma recently, but I, you know, I have, I have love in my life. I have friends in my life. I have great pets. I have a home. I have a car. I have a part-time job that I really like. I, I'm, I'm living a life that I never expected to live, ever. Even when I was sober the first time, I didn't expect this kind of life. So I'm going to end there. You know, I want to thank Nancy, who asked me to speak. I haven't spoken in a while here, maybe a month or two, maybe, maybe more. But I will need my phone number. My phone number, it's Eastern Standard Time. My name is Butch. It's 518-986-8933. That's voice or text. You can call anytime. Texting is probably a little better if I don't know you. But you can leave a voicemail. When I'm available, I will call back. Um, and for a topic, you know, I realized that what I've discovered recently is that topics almost are a problem for me because i got to talk about things that are going on with me. So for a topic, it's talk about anything you're related to or anything that's going on in your life right now that is not helping you stay abstinent, whatever is in your way, because when you get that out of the way, it's easier. And I will finish here. Thank you for letting me share.